I invite you to open your Bibles today, if you have them, to the book of Psalms, or look on the screen behind me, book of Psalms, chapter number 8. We know for certain, at least historically, we know that the shepherd David wrote this psalm, as he did so many others. We welcome each of you today, visitors and home folk, God love you, appreciate it, the days are getting longer. Sun shines up a little more. So it's just such a good feeling. Praise God. What is today? Thirteenth, fourteenth. Shoo. Almost. Do you know what time? I'm not even going to tell you what time. What days? Sister, you have a couple of people and stay on the platform with us today. Grab whoever you'd like and sit with you there. Man, Psalm chapter 8, and we're reading from the New International Version. You have a King James? That's certainly good stuff, too. Lord, our Lord, majestic is your name in all the earth. King James uses the word excellent. NIV is where I chose to utilize today. How majestic is your name in all the earth. You in the heavens. Amen. We're going to go all the way through four. Delight. Psalm 8. To be patient today. I got to practice what I preached, don't I? Are we good? Seriously, these folks were here a long time yesterday, set all day from the morning to the late in the evening and working on it, so it's, it's all good. Let's start all over again. Psalm 8, verse 1 through verse 4. O Lord, our Lord, how excellent is thy name in all the earth, who has set thy glory above the heavens. Through the praise of children and infants, you have established a stronghold against your enemies to silence the foe and the avenger. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, have you ever just been driving, a silly rhetorical question, I know you have, been driving down the road or going somewhere in this beautiful state of ours and looked at those mountains and go, amazing. How in the world could anyone not appreciate that beauty? That's the kind of moment David was having. When I consider your heavens, the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars, which you have set in place, what is mankind that you are mindful of them, human beings that you care for them? From verse 1, how excellent, how majestic is your name. just want to talk from that subject, majesty. Excellence, majesty, excellence. Pray with me. Thank you, Lord, for your mercy today, for your goodness, for all that you're doing, all that you've done, the work of your glorious hands, God. We're thankful for your spirit, for your word, for your people, the house of God, the spirit of God, the word of the Lord. Touch and encourage, heal and renew, inspire and save. 
We'll give you all the glory for it. Somebody say, majesty and excellence. You may be seated. The Lord bless you. When we think about the Lord, which is a daily occurrence, someone texted me last week and brought complete conviction into my soul. One little line in the middle of their text. Uh, they said a lot before and some after, but one line in the middle of their text said, God is all I think about anymore. And that little section just convicted me. God is all I think about. When we think about the Lord, our thoughts should naturally drift into things like good, great, majestic, above me, supreme, holy, wonderful. When we think about the Lord or God-related things like his precious word, the church of God, the house of God, the people of God. To say good things about God is to speak correctly. We're not really doing any grand thing. When we speak good things about God, we're just talking correctly. To think great things about the Lord is to think properly of Him. It is improper when I start thinking negative things about the Lord, why he hasn't fixed this yet, why he hasn't manipulated that. Then I'm out of God's will because my thoughts, to be correct in their mannerism and approach, my thoughts should think good and great things about the Lord. Life is a maze. Life is a confused mess at times, but the Lord is good. And he's great, and he's majestic, and he's supreme, and he's wonderful. The loftier we make him in our thoughts and with our words, the more exalted he'll become in our lives. Do you believe that? The more you speak good things about the Lord, the more exalted he'll become in your relationship with him. Jesus said in John 8, 32, if I be lifted up, I know he's talking about in the literal sense of being hang on the cross, hung on the cross. But let's put that in the, in the non-literal sense. We should be lifting him up, right? Not only with what we say, but what we think. We should always be promoting his excellence, his majesty, his splendor, his wonder. So, well, life's not too good for me, Pastor. Well, it wasn't too good for David. There were moments it wasn't too good for any of these Bible characters that we glean from their story. But David said in Psalm 8 verse 1, how majestic. How majestic. When you think about God and then think about you and I, he just seems majestic, doesn't he? He seems so higher than our ways and so loftier than our thoughts. David said, how majestic is your name, O Lord. I want to read to you a little article, or at least some excerpts from, from an article. To celebrate the 400th anniversary of the English settlement of Jamestown, Virginia, Queen Elizabeth visited the United States in 2007. I remember, faintly, but I remember reading the newspaper. 
Queen of England was in our country. Jamestown was built by her countrymen, he says, 400 years prior, a simple little outpost of the once mighty British Empire. 100 Englishmen broke ground on that community that predated the Pilgrims landing at Plymouth Rock by a dozen years or so. The writer said she came to celebrate its quadrennial. The newspaper said Queen Elizabeth came to add elegance and dignity to this event. Funny thing was, though, she didn't say one word at the Jamestown gathering. No speeches, no sentences of praise, no congratulations. Her mere presence transcended the need for words, the writer said. One reporter wrote this, remarks from the queen are far and few between. Another reporter said, majesty has a way of speaking for itself. Mr. Webster said majesty means power, authority, elegance, and even dignity. The queen's mere presence at this celebration added power and dignity and elegance. According to 1 Chronicles 29, 25, Sister Flail, the Bible said Solomon had that air of majesty. 1 Chronicles 29, 25. And the Lord magnified Solomon exceedingly in the sight of all Israel and bestowed upon him such royal majesty, power, dignity, esteem, prestige, royalty, as had not been on any king before him in Israel. Majesty comes from a Latin word meaning greater, greater than routine, greater than normal. The word often describes august personalities or renowned individuals, majestic people, just by reason of their position or their heritage. Where they sit in society, they seem to command greater levels of respect. They're still men, they're still women, but their position, their prestige, their persona Handel's Messiah performed in London. The queen herself again was in attendance. The presentation came to the hallelujah chorus. Got to love that. Magnifying the omnipotence of the Lord. Everyone in that house, including the queen, stood, stood in reverential applause to that little sentence, that little statement of the magnificence of the Lord. Writer said this about her appearance. You see, there is everyday majesty, and then there is supreme majesty. That even someone with as much gravitas as the queen has to stand in awe and reverence to real majestic authority and power. I said there is majesty, and then there is majesty. Now, the Gospel of Luke, the physician himself wrote some very powerful words that he placed between a miracle and a prophecy. The miracle was Luke 9:42, when Jesus rebuked that demon and that boy was healed. 
Light defeated darkness. Good conquered evil. God sent the devil packing. Talk about, let's talk about not only mental wellness, but let's talk about spiritual mental wellness right now. There's some people packing around some really heavy weights between their ears that are connected to spiritual dimensions in life. It's not abuse in the home that they're weighted down by, but it's spiritual abuse or spiritual misunderstanding. And this particular boy had a spirit all about his mental illness. You know, God can fix anything. You're aware of that, right? Anything. There's not a devil in hell, a demon in hell, that can stand before the majesty of the Lord Jesus Christ. I can see trouble on some of your faces right now. But you got to realize this. If you'll get God in his rightful place in your life, every knee shall bow. Every devil shall exit the place of your life. And in this remark by the physician Luke, he takes note of the healing power, the spiritual healing power of the Lord. This boy was better. But in Luke 9.44, he kind of puts water on the fire of what these apostles have just witnessed. When he prophesies of his betrayal. He walks into the camp or to the house, whatever it is. He casts out this demon. He turns around. Within a moment, he says, but buckle up. Somebody's about to betray me. Somebody's about to uproot and cause great disharmony among the ranks. But sandwiched between the miracle and the prophecy, Luke 9.43 in the King James, they were all amazed at the mighty power of God. It's the same Greek root word that we get majestic or majesty from. They see this demon-possessed boy made better. And the apostles look around, preachers of great dignity themselves, great personal splendor within their own right. And they are marveling or amazed at the majesty of Jesus Christ. One thing to brag about your ministry, sir or ma'am, it's altogether different to get out of the way when Jesus wants to take over your life, your ministry, your pulpit, your Sunday school class. Majesty of the Lord. What a splendor. What a sight. What amazement. Is that how it feels to you today? Like when you feel the Lord talking to you in your car or on your job or in church or in the altar. You feel like it's just, it's, it's not like talking to one another. He's excellent. He's majestic. I kick sand on every fire in believers' minds if I'm allowed to with this thing that Jesus, this is some hoodie-wearing, scruffy-faced dude down in the corner. That we can hang with, bro. You're out of your mind. He is majestic. 
holy, excellent. He's a friend that sticks closer than a brother. Yes, he is. He is compassionate and merciful and wonderful. And we can come to him in the most embarrassing of predicaments in our personal life. And he will never discard you, kick you out. He'll never say, I, don't, I didn't believe you could do that. He's that good. But you know what I'm talking about. Some Christians seem to, they talk about the Lord like he's, oh, brother, he's so, he, his ways are so much higher than our ways. His thoughts are so much higher than our thoughts. He said, the Lord has rescued you and given you more blessings than any other nation. Subtract nations there and put your name in there. The Lord has rescued you. Do you believe that today? Whether you've been in the church a minute, whether you've been in the bride of Christ a minute or all your life, there was a day he pulled you out of the miry clay. He rescued you. Don't ever forget, he's the only one that can rescue you. And he's given you more blessings than any other people. That's amazing. That's amazing. He protects you like a shield. It's true. I don't feel very protected, Pastor Herring. Well, ask God to open your eyes, your spiritual eyes. And he is your majestic sword. Your enemies will bow in fear, and you will trample on their heads. Now, that's kind of strange language to us in this world. We don't think of it like, I remember preaching years ago about how God, along this line, that God will give you power over your enemies. And one particular brother in the church, not here anymore, wanted to talk to me afterwards. He said, I just want to be perfectly clear. I have no enemies. Yeah, that was my reaction, yeah. <clears throat> if you're trying to live right, if you're not cowering down to every worldly situation on the job or in your home or in your family, if you're just trying to be a light of any significance somewhere, you have enemies. I'm not throwing mud. But Jesus said if they hated me, here we go again with that scripture. They hate me, they're going to hate you. You're not above Jesus. Such a promise is, is encouraging to me in Deuteronomy 33, 21. Moses compares the majesty of God to a sword. A sword wields power. It wields authority and greatness. Anybody with me today? I'm not, I'm not, go, I'm not running and yelling today. I'm not. I'm, I'm forcing myself to stay right here calm and collected. Majesty, excellence. I, they sing that song, that chorus. Yeah, yeah. 
Something should transpire and get me out of this worldly rut I'm in. When I think about the Lord, I should get out of this worldly rut that my mind is in. Because he's majestic. All right. I need some help reading. Brother, will you help me read just four or five scriptures? First Chronicles 16, verses 25 to 29 in the contemporary English. Hey. Is that true? worship God, that's exactly what we should feel immediately. Majesty. Holy. If you're trying to worship God and you're thinking, I can't stand that dude over there. That lady needs to apologize to me over here. You're missing the point. When we come into his presence, everything should fall because of his majesty. David said he is so majestic that it should stimulate praise responses in us. Not the music, the talk of the music, not the rhythm, not the building, his presence. 1611 Psalms, David again said in his presence is the fullness of joy. There's something different about being in the presence of the Lord. Too often, as negative as it sounds, as it sounds, too often, our view, it fails to capture really a sense of his majesty. We think the Lord's just here to fix my troubles. Come on. We, we think his mission in life today is to solve our problems. Can he? Of course. Does he want to? I believe that. I do believe that. That's why we pray. And by the way, 2024, we're going to focus on, talk about, over-talk about, overstate the need to take our prayer life from here to there. From here to there. And I text some of you that this week, this, this past week. But when Jesus said in Matthew 6, 9, after this manner, therefore pray ye, why would he tell me to pray if prayer doesn't work? There's a lot of posturing that has to occur in my life and cleaning up stuff that may hinder him from getting to me. But all shortcomings in prayer, as I see them, are always on our side of the line. I believe he wants to solve your and my problems. I believe he's the only one that can fix our troubles. But his sole mission in life, 
I wonder how many of those issues that plague us every day would begin to grow smaller and smaller if we just recognize the absolute sovereign majesty of being in his presence. If the Queen of England can gather nationwide attention, rightly so, what should the Lord do? What is the Lord deserving our life? God is holy. Author Calvin Miller said this, and I quote, The closer we get to the Lord, the more we understand the need for true humility in us. Say it again. The closer we get to God, the more we understand the true need for humility in us. It's not just a pal that you know. pure. John 13, 25 shows the Apostle John leaning on his breast before Calvary. Good place to be, close to the Lord as you can be. I wonder what Peter was thinking. I wonder what John, uh, James was thinking. Probably like you and I would, why has he got that seat? Why, why does he have that seat? Excuse my poor language. Why does he have that seat? John in 1325 is leaning on Jesus' bosom. Fast forward to Revelation 117. In the heavenly scene now, S-C-E-N-E, John is on his face. He's not hugging him. He's not wanting to sit in the seat next to him. On his face. I fell at his feet as dead. I'm pretty sure those crazy eruptions that come out of me with great occasion, too often of occasion, it's because sometimes I feel like I'm entitled bosom space on the Lord. I should be on my face in his presence. You know the difference between the two settings? John recognized majesty. John recognized excellence and splendor. Jesus wasn't his buddy in Revelation 1. He was his savior. All right. Trying to just say something here today and I'm almost done. I pray that it's not true at PPC and if it ever gets that way, um, pray for me that I can fix it, correct it, get it back to where it needs to be. But too often in church circles, we advertise what we are as come and get what you need to be here. I believe that God can meet your need, visitor or home folks, absolutely 100%. I do believe it. I'm going to go to the grave believing it. I'll carry it into heaven believing it. He can supply every need. But, but what happened to inviting people to come to church to worship God? 
Come get what you need. Come get a touch. Come get excited. I'd, I'd a whole lot more prefer Mercy, when I slow down, I realize how much I often botch the English language. I'd, I'd much rather have it that more than anything we desire to worship the Lord when we come to church. Everybody knows what the fear of God means, right? Somebody talk about the fear of God. We all know what majesty of God is in the same closet with it. But when a church body or a congregation or an individual preacher or a saint of God, when we lose sight of God's majesty, guarantee you, we lose his power. We lose the power of God to change us, to fix us, to deliver us. When we lose sight of the fact that he is absolutely sovereign above everything. David said, how majestic. What was he feeling? Peter said this, 2 Peter 1.16. We were eyewitnesses of his majesty. We saw him with our Naked eye. It's usually um, people new in the faith that say these type of things, especially preachers who've just started to carve their, you know, their lanes out in the ministry. But I've heard many times over the years people tell me, I've been praying God to show me an angel as a confirmation or give me a personal visitation as confirmation to this or that that they're endeavoring to do. And now as I look back, I realize how juvenile the thought is because why would you even ask? This is him. This is God's will. If God, if God chooses, if God chooses to take you beyond that, tremendous, tremendous, amazing. But I have a feeling we might be a little more terrorized Peter said, I saw him with my own eyes. He wasn't talking about living three and a half years in that earthly dimension. Talking about in that glorified state. I saw, I was an eyewitness of his majesty. Psalm 96, verse 6, honor and majesty are before him. He can't escape it, wouldn't escape it, shouldn't try to escape it. Lord, open our eyes to the majesty of God. Lord, our, open our ears and our senses to the majesty of the Lord to the loftiness of his glorious splendor. Hmm. I close with this. Thank you. If the Queen of England 
passed away now. I speak with, I'm speaking reverentially and respectfully. I know she's gone. But if she came into this room right now, she'd have staff and bodyguards and pomp and procession. They'd be in here before her arrival checking safety and security. They'd be out blocking the road off and patting everybody down that walked in the room for good reasons. And if we knew she was coming in, anybody with any respect in their body whatsoever would stand in reverence to her. I know she was, she was a political figurehead. And I realize... There's very little I agree with coming out of Washington, D.C. right now. But I'm telling you what, if the president walked in this room, I would ask you to get on your feet out of respect for the office, whether you agree or disagree with his methods. But if Jesus walked in here in the flesh... I said, if the man Jesus Christ walked in here, that's what you'd see for, for a moment. I wouldn't even have to tell you how to respond. There would be angels and light and thunder and power and And you know where you'd find us? Don't go anywhere, anybody, on the platform yet. Just hang with me a moment. If you wouldn't mind, close your eyes and try to get into that, that little lane of spiritual mindset right here. Maybe you're there already. Picture with me in your brain this young boy with a calling on his life. So in the presence of God Almighty that he picks up. Go ahead, Sister Blaze. He's so in tune with God. He may have been in a shepherd's field. He might have been climbing a rocky mountaintop. He might have been in the village just tending to family needs. But somewhere he picks up writing instrument and paper when he thinks about the Lord. And he said, all I can say is how majestic. I don't think about majesty when I think about Ronald Joe Herring. I think about majesty when I think about Jesus Christ. Put your name in there. I don't think about majesty when I think about that. But when I think about the Lord, let's do that right now. Can you just see the majesty in, in the mind of David, the shepherd boy? We don't deserve his goodness, but we have it, praise the Lord. We haven't earned his mercy, but he gives it so willingly. How majestic is your name. Peter said, I was an eyewitness, said I was an eyewitness of his majesty. Oh, Lord. Mm -hmm. Maybe that's what David was thinking about. 
Does it make you want to shout that? Want to shout hallelujah. hallelujah. 